We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest. He is the deputy editor at milehighhuddle.com, Zach Kellerman. Zach, we finally got to hear from Coach Nathaniel Hackett today after the Broncos kind of emerged from the bye. And everyone's been dying to find out if there's going to be any changes to the play calling, to the duties on the coaching staff. You know, you're going to pass the baton to somebody else. You're going to keep going status quo. And what we learned today, Zach, status quo for the uh, back nine, as it were. Yeah, not too surprising to me. I'm not sure why the question was posed again when it was before the London game and then right after the London game heading into a bye week. The win saved Hackett's behind for at least another game, and uh, he's keeping everything as it is. You know, out and still the OC Hackett still calling plays and everything was left as is, and they're hoping they can build on uh, that win against Jacksonville. You know, if you think about it, I want to grab this super chat from Sam real quick. Appreciate you, big dog. Look at Sam Bam throwing down early before we even went live like a boss. You demand. He says, hey, hello, Chad and Zach. The Titans are going to be tough, but if we contain Derrick Henry, force them to have to win with the passing and put up at least 22 points, then I think the Broncos get the win. Go Broncos. Appreciate that, Sam. We'll we'll talk a lot about the Titans. To, I mean, it's we're, we're going to be getting to our kind of – game preview mode a lot sooner this week than uh, in a traditional week because we've been just chilling you know for a week basically but Zach I don't know why people had a reasonable expectation as you just kind of talked about of the Broncos making some kind of a play calling shift offensively and the biggest reason why is two two things one that's why you hired Nathaniel Hackett he already proved early on in this season that his game management and just like knowing what to do in game decision making all that stuff he's very much learning on the job so that's not why you hired him you didn't hire him because he's John Harbaugh the perfect game manager all right you hired him because he's an offensive play caller that you expect to elevate the offense and then the other factor here Zach why they're not moving to somebody else calling plays is who you're going to move to the only other guy with plausible experience as a play caller in the league is Clint Kubiak, and it's suspect. He has one year of it, last year in Minnesota. Started out most of the season, Vikings fans calling for his job. The the offense was so bad. He kind of turned it around, earned some goodwill back down the stretch, but then he ended up losing his job. He was so good at what he did, Zach. Plus, you can make the case that all Hackett did was hire his boys, you know, his friends, and uh, made them into positions of power out and being one of them. So why would he, after a win, start firing his friends? It doesn't work that way. That's why the status quo is remaining. And all we can do is hope that over the bye week, Hackett uh, looked in the mirror, looked in the Broncos' offense, and figured out what works and what doesn't, and can continue on with that going forward. The Duchess with a top rope Mount Rushmore caliber super chat. We appreciate that, Michaela been a sleepy buy we could use it means a lot to us she says i think we need to go back to basics until all the players do their jobs well just i'm 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 I'm, i was about to 
bust out my Josh McDaniels impersonation of like a teenager screaming at the top of his lungs, do your job, right? Um, back to the basics, Zach. What say you for the Duchess? If, if there's ever an opponent, ever a game where the Broncos have to be technically sound for 60 minutes, all four quarters or more, if the game goes into OT, it's against the Tennessee Titans. They might not be the NFL's best team, but they're right up there. And they, like I mentioned last night, they're so disciplined. They're so well coached offense and defense. Let me tell you something. Josie Jewell, Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Alex Singleton, arm tackles are not going to cut it against Derrick Henry. You need multiple players to take him down. And to do so, you have to be really sound in your job, maintaining your gap responsibilities and assignments. So, yeah, if there's ever a game where the Broncos have to put a complete effort together in order to get the W, I think it's this coming Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be a stiff test. What have we heard? Obviously, Ryan Tannehill was a no-go this uh, Sunday night against the Chiefs. It was the rookie, Malik Willis. What have we heard, Zach, if anything, on update on Tannehill? Do you think he'll play, or is it going to be the rookie again? I think it was close. He traveled with the team uh, to Kansas City for the game, and they rolled him out. It was kind of like a game-time decision. They, they felt comfortable for whatever reason going with Malik Willis, but another week off uh, for Tannehill should make him – probable I'd say or the plus side of questionable to play against the Broncos I'd be surprised if after what we saw from Willis who was literally scared to pass the ball that Tennessee doesn't go back to uh, Tannehill for this one Naj another legendary pivotal figure in the MHH community love you big dog thank you he says hey bros the Kurt Warner analysis of the Broncos offense is great he showed how several play designs and how receivers run routes are making it hard on Russ. You think the coaches watch outside analysis and realize what needs to improve? I don't think the coaches do, to be honest with you. I think there are, are some teams in the league, Zach, where there's interns and quality control people that might look at certain things like that. But no, it's very insular. You know, they feel like they they're the they're the smartest guys they know. That's why they're in the jobs they have. They're not going to in their minds, you know, you put yourself in their shoes. They're going, a washed-up, old, yeah, Hall of Fame quarterback, albeit, but, like, he doesn't know our scheme. He doesn't know this. He da, da, da. They're not going to – It's they're keeping it focused on a playbook that, I mean, if it's if it's even half of what Mike McCoy's pay, playbook was, Zach, it's a 500-page tome, right, uh, that they got a master. Yeah, McCoy's playbook was like the menu at the Cheesecake Factory. It just <laughs> never right. ended at all. Um, you know, you're right about the pride and ego that goes into coaches. They think they have uh, more of a feel on what they should do and uh, the plays they should run. And if I'm hacking, I might be thinking, listen, I'm coaching the Broncos. What's Kurt Warner doing right now? Making YouTube videos about NFL teams. So, you know, I think you're right. You nailed it. Uh, Hackett should have a better feel for what his team does. But when it becomes so glaringly obvious, Chad, to every outsider – fan, analyst, media member, whoever, that certain concepts aren't working and certain ones are, it, it, it's just nudging you in that direction and make the obvious changes. And if he doesn't, that just proves that Hackett is too stubborn for his own good. And we talked about this a little bit last night, Naj. I referenced that I, too, had watched that Kurt Warner uh, film breakdown, and it was uh, illuminating, as always. And the that first pass he threw that was almost picked off by the corner on that little slant route where Sutton – didn't get the inside leverage, right? And he let the corner cross his face. And Russ put a, it was a nice ball. Like, it wasn't a bad ball. It was that he trusted his wide receiver to win that matchup. And literally everything Cortland Sutton did on that route that you would expect a receiver to do to create separation, he did the exact opposite of what you would want to do to create that favorable outcome. So it's little things like that. I mean, that's a, that's a Zach Azani thing. Frankly, Zach, as we've been talking about, I've been scratching my head for a few weeks on Cortland Sutton. Like he kind of started the season out with a with the, on pretty solid footing, had some some decent games, found the end zone with Russ. The last two or three games, dude, he's been a non-factor, and that really hurts this team. Yeah, I think one of the low points for Sutton was the end of the Jets game. I know he was interfered with, but you just don't see the tenacity from Cortland Sutton like he used to. They get up and uh, and go for the ball, make it an 80-20 situation. It's 50-50 now with him in the game. I don't know if it's the injury. I don't know if it's lack of familiarity with Russell Wilson, but it seems like Jerry Judy has overtaken Cortland for number one receiver duties. And it comes as a surprise. 
Uh, but you know what you don't want to be surprised on, gang, is people getting a hold of your private information uh, because of how you browse. If you're unprotected in the way you browse on the Internet, there's a dang good chance it could happen to you, just like it happened to me before I found NordVPN. NordVPN, that uh, stands for Virtual Private Network, by the way. I have NordVPN on all my browsers, on all my devices, and it's a one-stop shop to protect you against all things cybersecurity. Very easy to use. You don't have to be a tech whiz. All right. And the other cool thing is you can protect up to six different devices with a single account. And it's about the cost of a cup of coffee per month to have that peace of mind, that protection. Plus, you can change your geolocation on your phone to change it just within the VPN. Say, you know, I want to catch the Yankees game, whatever, and I'm out of market change it to the market that you want it to be. And all of a sudden, all your streaming services are showing you that local uh, broadcast clutch. Yeah, very much so. Broncos country, grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash MHH. You get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and four months free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash MHH to get four months free. That's right. We appreciate NordVPN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Supporting what we do here at MHH. And Dave, you're a prince. We love Dave Glassman. We go way back with Dave Glassman. And I know, Dave, that you were disappointed in me having to uh, kind of discontinue Broncos Book Club but it will be coming back here in the very near future. And it's going to be coming back with a gusto and it's going to be even bigger and better. So stay tuned for that big dog. It's going to be fun. There's too many books uh, that I want to be able to share with the nerdiest amongst us here in this community. A uh, shout out to uh, big earn. Always great to see big earn. Always great to see Michael Ronquillo in the chat as well. Uh, Zach throwing down on, on Facebook, Zach Bernstein, what's going on. Great to see you, Zach. Thank you for, for being with us here tonight. Um, the Duchess with a second super chat saying, hi, Chad, by the way, nice guitars. I love Gibsons. Oh, she's referencing my Instagram slash Facebook post. Yeah, I have, I've amassed a little bit of a collection. I'm a little bit of a collector when it comes to, to gear and guitars and stuff. I probably have 20 some odd Gibsons. That's no lie, but that's built up over, you know, a decade or two. So I'm glad you like that, Michaela. If you own a Gibson, then you should reply back on that on that Facebook uh, thread with some pictures of yours. I want to check them out. Um, Zach, real quick, before we dive right back into the chat, I just want to remind everybody, make sure you're following the main podcast account on Twitter at the MHH pod. Make sure you're following my partner in crime here, Zach Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. And then of course our great Mr. Producer himself, Scott Kennedy on Twitter at scout Kennedy, pretty easy to remember jeremy throwing down great to see you brother appreciate that that's two nights in a row we see you we see you we appreciate you uh zach let's get to the to a few other things nathaniel hackett had to say um chris though first saying hey and thank you buddy appreciate you that's two nights in a row for you too bro he says zach chad and scott the three best in the business awesome dude that's so kind he says any of you think patrick sertan the second will have an interception this year I, it's pretty hard, Zach, to uh, – I mean, we, we critique the fact that, man, we'd sure like to see a little bit better ball production from PS2, but what's a guy supposed to do when he doesn't get thrown at? 
Exactly. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. You know, quarterbacks are staying as far away as possible they can from PS2 and picking on Damari Mathis or even K1 Williams, but it's only a matter of time before PS2 gets one. I wouldn't be surprised if his first pick is also a pick six. Then again, though, if he can get away with DPI like Sauce Gardner does, maybe he'd have more interceptions, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, you got to be happy with PS2. You could pick nits here and there, and when you have to get very black and white like Eric Trickle does with his grades and stuff like that, I, you, you can go down the rabbit hole. But as a, as, as a complete entity, I don't think – how could you not be satisfied with what Patrick Sertan the second is producing on the grass, Zach, less than two full seasons from the time he was drafted in the first round? Like, I had my doubts about that pick. I liked him. I had my doubts. I liked that other corner from South Carolina. Who was that, uh, J.C. Horn. Thank you. Um, a little bit more, but I'm not the draft expert. You know, I'm not the guy that um, spends all that time breaking down the film. I, it was just kind of a vibe thing. I liked him a little bit more, but Sertan has blown away any misgivings I might have had. Dude's a stud. I have zero regrets about the pick then or now taking Sertan over Fields or Mac Jones. The guy, he's a top two cornerback in the NFL. He's not number two. Put it that way. I think he's the best corner in the game already. He was good from, you know, right out of the box, Chad. Plug and play, starter, star, pro bowler, whatever. He'll get his due this year, build up the accolades a little bit, and from here on out going forward, he's a household name. He'll be regarded up there or maybe even surpassing Champ Bailey. He's that Ooh. good. Now that's a bold prediction. Savage Boy Kev on Twitch saying, hey, what are you guys most excited for as far as what Chase Edmonds can bring to the offense? He says, I think that he takes the starting role, Zach, at running back by week 14. What are your thoughts on Edmonds as a as a prospect? I don't think they picked Edmonds up with the idea of him starting. They, for whatever reason, are committed to Melvin Gordon as their starter now, him and his hurt feelings. They have Latavius Murray, who was a starter, and they have Marlon Mack as well, who I believe had some starts under his belt. Chase Edmonds is going to be what Mike Boone should have been, and that's a clutch third down pass catching back. It's what he made his do with in Miami, catching the ball out of the backfield, helping the team on third and shorts, intermediate parts of the field. Another weapon for Russell Wilson, I think in tandem with those other running backs, he can serve his purpose well and hopefully, unlike Boone, not drop the passes that are thrown to him. Shout out to Albert Knoppers. Good to see you, big dog. He says the Titans were bad yesterday, I heard, but the Chiefs were not much better either. Um, Zach, we were live for half of that game, so I didn't catch the whole thing. But, of course, Patrick Mahomes prevails in the end. What did you see from the Titans, who, of course, the Broncos draw on the schedule on Sunday? Yeah, I rewatched that game, and the Titans' defense was spectacular. You really can't ask for much more out of them when facing Kansas City at Kansas City. You're starting a rookie quarterback in Malik Willis. The Tennessee defense was freaking excellent, and I can only hope the Broncos defense can emulate that game plan against Mahomes and company. The Tennessee Titans offense, it seems like if Malik Willis is under center, you stop Derrick Henry you have a good chance of winning the game. He is their sole offensive playmaker. They don't have any receivers or tight ends I'm overly scared of. It's just Derrick Henry, but it's going to change a little bit because Tannehill probably will start against the Broncos, and I feel like if Tannehill were, were to have played last night, Tennessee might have sprung that upset. Shout out uh, to Kay Shoguki TV in the house. Good to see you. Kenneth, it's all good, brother. Don't worry about it. Um, LD with an interesting question here, Zach, on Twitch saying, uh, would you hire, so in case you missed it, I doubt you guys missed this because here we are at 6.30 Mountain Time, but uh, the Colts fired head coach Frank Reich and inserted consultant Jeff Saturday as interim head coach. So Frank Reich, in other words, now Zach, is on the market. If the Broncos end up moving on from Hackett, he could be an option. We've talked about maybe the comfortability of a retread if the Broncos do go back to the well what say you about Frank Wright? Because it has been pretty bad this year as far as the Colts. I was catching a lot of blowback on Twitter because after his firing, I said if the Broncos go on a head coaching search next offseason and they don't want another first-timer, then Frank Reich should be on the list. And I want to clarify by saying he's not at the top of my list. I would have Sean Payton on there, Bruce Arians, maybe even Dan Quinn before I'd put Frank Reich. But 
look at the quarterback carousel he was handed in Indy. Okay, yeah. 2018, Andrew Luck. That was the last pretty much good year. 2019, it was Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer. 2020 was 39-year-old Phillip Rivers. 2021, of course, was Carson Wentz. And this year was 37-year-old Matt Ryan and the rookie Sam Ellinger. And despite all that, Rank, Reich finished 40-33-1 and over the exactly. course of his tenure. Still had a winning record. He is a good football coach. I'd be thrilled to have him as an OC under whoever is the head coach. But if he were to become Hackett's successor, I would not cry about that. Yeah, I like him. He's a guy, seriously. I mean, Mike Shanahan, okay, he went to his first head coaching gig, and it was really weird, a lot of back and forth, um, passive-aggressive power struggles that went on there but with the late owner, Al Davis. But if you were watching what the Raiders did in that very brief stint he had as the head coach, you wouldn't have thought to yourself anything like this dude's destined to win back-to-back Super Bowls as a head coach. You really wouldn't have thought that, but he gets another chance. Pat Bowen always coveted him in that role and the rest is history. So don't dismiss it. Gary Kubiak, what did he have to write home about as head coach on his first stint as a uh, with the Houston Texans? He had one or two playoff seasons. He was there a long, long time, but it took going to Denver and kind of having a reset because – How does it all work, Zach? We're human beings. Do you learn more by your successes or your failures? Well, if you're like me, you learn more from the things you didn't do right. You know, you learn more from the mistakes you make more so than your successes. And it's what you learn from those mistakes that inform your eventual successes and triumphs. Austin says here, and thank you, buddy. Appreciate the super chat. How much money do y'all see Draymond Jones getting, Zach? He's going to get a bag. And I'd have to pull up the defensive lineman contract. I'm sure you're doing that right now, Chad. I don't know the market value top of my head, but he'll be right there. You're talking about a young building block who can wreck the game if you use him correctly. And you're seeing what you saw against Jacksonville, what you saw against different parts of the season, what he can do, the miniature version of Aaron Donald for this defense. I would happily pay him market value because you're investing in the future, not just the now in him. And getting rid of Bradley Chubb enables you to do that with with, uh, DJ. You know what I've noticed is uh, on the share screen function, Scott, this is just a little uh, inside baseball, but it no longer automatically shares. It, then you have to do a second click to get to your share screen. Let's take a look here, Austin, at some of the top contracts for interior D linemen. Aaron Donald, his uh, APY is uh, $31.6 million per year. <laughs> Let's bring it down a little bit from that. <laughs> Leonard Williams in the Giants, he's at least – 10 G or 10 G's 10 million under that at 21 million per year. DeForest Buckner of the Colts, 21 million. Chris Jones of the Chiefs, 20 million. I think personally, Zach Draymond Jones, and he currently with uh, Bradley Chubb no longer collecting checks from the Broncos. Draymond Jones is the leader on the team in sacks. He's is a five and a half or six and a half now off the top of my head, but he's already on pace to destroy his career high, which is six and a half sacks. So let's just assume he kind of stays on the similar trajectory he's on. He's going to finish this season, Zach, as an interior rusher somewhere around double-digit sacks just in the nick of time, baby, for that bag. I see him saying, "Uh, look across the AFC West, and I see Chris Jones, the man who cannot be contained in more ways than one. I want that money. I think he's going to look for that Tier 2 money of interior D lineman. So Broncos fans, if you want to keep him, and I'm talking about Draymond Jones, probably got to come to terms with paying him somewhere between 18 and 21 million bucks a year. Another thing I've noticed, though, is I see 31 age on there, 28, 28, 29, 33. Draymond's going to be 26 in January, so he'll be 26 for his uh, 2023 season. Just entering his prime right now, I think at least, I mean, I see 17.7 million for Vita Vea, Kenny Clark, 17 and a half. I think north of 18 as a baseline for Draymond on a four-year deal, however they want to structure it, but if you believe in him and you're uh, basing it off of what he can do, not just what he's done so far, he's a worthy investment. Time will tell. Time will tell. I think uh, I'd like to see him perform a little bit better against the run, and that's the one thing in this particular matchup, Zach, that has me uh, a little bit flustered. What's up, Howie? Good to see you. Howie freaking day in the freaking house. He wants to know, can we string together a couple wins? How nice would that be? 
Broncos uh, get more than one win in a row, that would be nice. But you know, the this as much as we have praised the defensive coordinator Jiro Evero for the for the Yeoman's work he's done this year is his first year as a coordinator. The chink in his armor, Zach, has been the run game. The Broncos aren't that same dominant animal against the run. They've allowed a lot of big gash runs, too many 100-yard rushers, and that's exactly the wrong kind of equation for a team that features Derrick Henry as the uh, RB1. So that's going to be a crucial matchup to watch is how this front seven fares against the, the likes of one of the elite runners in the game. I would love to string together at least two more victories because that would mean the Broncos snap that streak against the Raiders. It's going back a few years now, so that'd be pretty nice to get a victory against them. But you're right. The run defense has been susceptible going back to the preseason. We saw it uh, come out in the wash against the Bills and that blowout disheartening defeat, and it hasn't gotten a lot better. I put Draymond, yeah, he's not been great there, but Deshaun Williams has been a letdown as a starter. And also the inside linebackers, missing tackles, Jewel being hurt, Singleton having to play, Jewel playing against Derrick Henry, and he had that huge hit. I don't know if it was last year, a couple years ago on Derrick Henry, he laid him out. So if there's one guy who can go toe-to-toe physically, it's Josie Jewel. Let's hope he stays healthy. Amen. Darius Simmons, wherever you are, dude, in your profile pick, that's where – I would like to be right about now with this Rocky Mountain uh, November weather. Thank you for the super chat, Darius. He says, what's up, guys? I really have faith that our offense will look much better on Sunday. I'll be at the game. Dope. Hope to go 2-0 and at Bronco games. All right, so Darius is our good luck charm. Darius, it's good to know we have one of those this time around. Always comes in handy. And I hope that you do get a 2-0 and experience. I hope the Broncos – you know, this would if the Broncos go on the road and get a, a win. I know the Titans aren't exactly the juggernaut they've been in the in the most recent NFL past here, Zach. But that would be a real solid win, even if it's not Ryan Tannehill. As you mentioned, the defense is legit. You've got Derrick Henry on offense. Like that would be a win. You could a skin that you could hang on the wall and pound your chest a little bit in terms of confidence building. You want to get some momentum underneath your wings. You want to get up there into the jet stream and glide a little bit, that would help you. Yeah, you know, beating Jacksonville, though it was necessary, wasn't overly impressive considering also how they did it, where they look good in the second half but not the first half. You come out on an early Sunday game coming off the bye week facing one of the better teams in the NFL, a very physical, dominating team like the Tennessee Titans. You beat them, I'll be a believer again. That's a season thrusting momentum producing victory if the Broncos can get it and that could start the first of many to come but they have to just come out and play all four quarters Chad can they do that can they put a complete game together for the first time this year and I have no doubt Zach that it'll be a game the Broncos are not getting blown out like the closest they've been to like out of control in a game where they're just getting dealt with was that Raiders game and it wasn't really till late late that that became kind of even a thing so this will be a game I'm confident in that what did you learn in the bye did you get healthy did you figure out third down because that's another thing that you know we were kind of laughing at uh, Nathaniel Hackett yesterday from his Tuesday press conference after they got home from London and was talking about hey what what improvements are you looking to make during the bye you know you talk about self-scouting what are you going to do we talked a little bit about this last night and he said well you know hemmed and hawed gave us some coach speak and then he said we're going to figure out third down in the red zone. If this offense, Zach, figures out third down in the red zone, made in the shade, this team will then become that juggernaut that you hoped and prayed and expected on some level that it would be. Phil, what's going on, big dog? Great to see you. Love the profile pick. Very dope. Appreciate you. Can they also figure out how to not rack up 10 penalties a game and not shoot themselves in the foot or go backward on offense? It's those type of things that have gone on every week where the Broncos fall into a hole, they can't get out, drive stall, points are left on the field, and then another L takes hold. So if they can just get back to the – I've been saying it all season, but they put together a four-quarter effort. They don't hurt themselves, penalties, turnovers, take care of the ball, control the clock, get into the end zone when you're in the red zone. They stand a good chance as any to upset Tennessee. Here's what, and then we'll grab Miguel here. Here's what Coach Hackett said about the number of penalties of which the Broncos are amongst the league leaders. Quote, penalties, this is today, quote, penalties, that's something we have to hold everybody accountable to. We point them out. We talked about it. 
we put presentations up there, but in the end, sometimes it's a crazy game and things happen. We just have to be sure that everybody understands we can't hurt the team. We can't have those self-inflicted wounds. We'll be sure to hold all the guys very accountable for their actions and all the things that they're doing uh, just because we want to eliminate that stuff and stop hurting ourselves. Blah, blah, blah. Show me. Show me, baby. And, you know, the other component to that, Zach, is when you start getting so as thin as the Broncos are in terms of personnel, I mean, look at the number of studs chilling on injured reserve right now. You can't really afford to make too many guys examples if they do go out and – you know, so you're kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't, but they got to figure something out there, and then we'll grab McGill. Well, there's a reason why I think there's so many players on IR, and at least George Payton's eyes are opening to that now. But, yeah, it's tough when you're losing literally at least one starter every single week. Last week it was Cushionberry. The week before that it was somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. It's hard to really get any sort of momentum going when you have so many players like Chad said, pretty much a whole football team on IR. It's tough to overcome those odds. Miguel, what's going on, big dog? Appreciate you very much. Hope you know that. He says, what's up, fellas? Just jumping in. I'm nervous for this game after last night. Am I the only one who still thinks we need to address linebacker this offseason? What say you, Zach? I've been saying it as long as I've been saying right tackle. To me, inside linebacker, when you have Josie Jewell, Singleton, and Jonas Griffith, though they're good Lunch pail type players doesn't cut it for me. I'm still pining for that dynamic sideline to sideline inside linebacker. They have the edge rushers, I feel like, with Baron Brown and Nick Benito, Randy Gregory. It's that off-ball guy. You can't have pro bowlers everywhere, but my yeah. God, can we step up the, the standard just a little bit there? Yeah, they've really kind of – I guess they, they drafted Baron Browning initially, and this was under the George Payton. This was his maiden class. He was originally – I mean, they always knew he had versatility – untapped potential on that side of things Zach but he was drafted initially to be an off-ball linebacker guy and he flashed because he's so talented as a rookie in that uh, role from whatever it was week nine on in Dallas last year then they moved him they got to go back to the well because it looks like he's now your number one B pass rusher right if Randy Gregory when he returns is your one A he's your one B or at least your two whatever but I like him there. I've been convinced now that that's where Baron Browning belongs yep. is on the edge. But, yes, it's time to uh, go back to the well, upgrade off-ball linebacker. Because Alex Singleton, look, he's great at running around and making tackles, but he also is a liability in terms of guessing right. He guesses too much, I guess is a better way to put it, on his run fits, his discipline. If he does get engaged, he's a smaller guy. So if he does get engaged with the block, he just doesn't have the – wherewithal dude to disengage and he gets controlled easily so if you can keep like if you were running zach a four three and alex singleton was your will linebacker he was your weak side guy that was operating more kind of on the edge not in the pass rush sense but as a linebacker sense i could see him thriving as an inside linebacker in a three four which is what the broncos like to roll with he's a little outmatched People point to Singleton leading the Broncos in tackles as if that's an accomplishment when the tackles are coming seven, eight yards down the field. When he's bu- when the line running backs are busting through uh, the defensive line and getting to the second level, it's not that impressive to me to be a compiler for tackles. In terms of Baron Browning, yeah, Azuro Evero both made a seat. Massive heaps of crow over that transition to edge rusher. I really hope Baron Browning can find a way to play this week. He's dealing with that hip injury. Uh, they're trending in the right direction with them, but it could be another week. And Randy Gregory looks like he'll be out another game or two still on IR. Unfortunately, Howie says the division games are coming in bunches. What do you think our record will be the home stretch uh, in the division? Yeah. So you got one down with the Raiders and chargers respectively haven't faced the chiefs yet. So you got four total games to go in the division, Zach, and you're Owen two in the AFC West. What's your answer for Howie? I think they'll pick up, man, I, I want to say they'll sweep Kansas City, but I have to see how they fare against the Titans first before I jump back on that bandwagon. I think maybe two and four in the division or three and three at best at to best. be realistic. Yeah. Their margin for error moving forward, you got two losses that you can plausibly afford to take and still maintain, you know, uh, decent odds at, at a wild card. Maybe those two losses come to the Chiefs or at the hands of the Chiefs. 
I don't know, but I I think probably two and four, but may, three and three would be my my best, my most hopeful expectation. Uh, Phil blows my mind that Kurt and others uh, break down the same film our coaches have, yet no changes made. I even heard Jeff Saturday ask the same questions we all do. Go Broncos, MHH for life. Appreciate that, buddy. Yeah, but see, they're they're thinking they're bought in on their scheme. They believe in their scheme. And so I think they do see a lot of the things like on, on Court Warner's last video where he was really talking about the receiver routes and how, especially in Cortland Sutton's case, Zach, he's not doing much to help his, his quarterback. You know, that is a, a point of emphasis that a position coach like Zach Azani can make some hay with. Like, why aren't you showing and explaining to Cortland Sutton some of these finer – I mean, they're not all that fine details, to be honest with you. Some of them are like, dude, if you know that's your route, if you're running like a quick slant, uh, you can't allow the corner, whether it's through your route running itself, the way you kind of lean, the whatever, you can't allow him to maintain that inside leverage. So you either got to use that big body of yours and shove him out of the way because that particular route that I'm talking about and that Kurt Warner uh, emphasized where it was almost picked off early in the game against the Jaguars, that particular play, dude, he needed to just, it was inside five yards. You can get, a, you can get away with pushing and doing all that stuff inside of five yards, whether you're on defense or offense and just small little things like that tweaks along the way. And maybe, you know, putting on the hopeful hat, right? Maybe that's, these are things, aha moments, Zach, that took place during their self-scouting uh, of the bye. Yeah, it seems like Cortland doesn't have the same interest in mossing fools uh, like he did in the years past. And it's a shame because when he does that, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. But hopefully he'll pick it up and uh, they can all work in harmony. In terms of Kurt Warner, it's easy to diagnose something after the fact, like the K.J. Hamler play against the Colts where he was wide open and Russ didn't see him, but it's in the moment. That's where Hackett has to grow as a coach, be more intuitive and have a better feel for the flow of the game in the game in that moment. Let's see if he learns anything coming off the bye week. Um, Jeremy, appreciate you, brother. He says, what's up guys, man. I hope we got healthy and I can't wait to see if Graham Glasgow is going to hold it together on the O-line. Well, listening to what coach Hackett said today, uh, here's what he said on the on the topic of Cush. Quote, right now, Lloyd is going to miss some time for sure. So he's not going to be available this game. That's for absolutely certain. And he did confirm that it's not going to be Luke Wattenberg, the rookie, going in at center. It's going to be Graham Glasgow. And I predict, Zach, this is a tough front. I mean, this, this is not a an easy front to start banging your chest with, you know, bold predictions for the Broncos' new interior O-line. This will be a significant test, but – they're much better prepared for that test with Graham Glasgow at center than they were with Lloyd. Believe that. Yeah, no rush, Lloyd. Take your time getting healthy because he was really hurting the Broncos O-line and by association the entire offense. You're right, though. That Tennessee front is so freaking good, led by Jeffrey Simmons, who's just a half a rung down from the Aaron Donalds of the world. I think Simmons got... A little dinged up against Kansas City, though, something to keep an eye on. But if he plays, it's going to be a problem for any center, regardless, you know, Glasgow, Wattenberg, Cushenberry. It's going to be a struggle. They have to double-team him, and hopefully the whole line holds up. I say that very cautiously optimistic. Nacho throwing down some stars on the Mile High Huddle Podcast Facebook page. Appreciate that, bro. He says, just joining after watching last night's KC game, are we just coaching and OL talent away from competing with a team like the Chiefs. Zach, how far do you feel like, I mean, we haven't been able to see that literal litmus test of this version of the Broncos go against the Chiefs yet until week 14, I think is the first one. Um, but how, how do you feel they're measuring up right now? Well, I'm actually really excited to see what Ajiro Evero can cook up against Kansas City because I feel like his blueprint will closely mirror what the Tennessee Titans did against Kansas City, play uh, two high shells over the top, limiting the big plays of the Kansas City offense, making them beat you with their ground game, and trying to contain Mahomes as best as possible. But the similarities or lack thereof, they don't stop with coaching and OL talent. It's the quarterback. And I'm, and I have been, and Chad is as well, a big Russell Wilson fan, but he's not in the same stratosphere as Patrick Mahomes. He never really was. Mahomes is a unicorn. He is, for my money, the best quarterback in the NFL. So as long as they have him, 
uh, they're going to be uh, at an advantage. But the Broncos aren't that far off. If they figure out a way to finesse more production out of Russell Wilson, more from this offense, paired with that defense, they can make some noise. Agreed. And thank you again, Nacho. Means a lot to us, big dog. Uh, here we have Jeremy. Uh, we got that one. We got that one from from Jeremy. I see. What about Colby? Do we see Colby? Oh, two. Well, we did get this one. That's a Glasgow. Oh, I'm trying to interpret the the hand signs on uh, on Glasgow. But listen, here's Colby, the triple C in the house. I know this isn't the Broncos, but it does pertain to Colorado. For Peter McNabb, the Avalanche Broadcasting. Yeah, RIP. Indeed, dude. Yep, RIP. Uh, and hats off. That's a that's a that's a loss, but yeah, appreciate you bringing that up, Colby, and thank you for the support as always, Big Dog. Uh, yeah, I'm not, much... I was going to say I'm not the biggest hockey guy, but I understand yeah. that he was a tremendous professional, but an even better human being. So definitely, uh, rest in peace to the McNabb. You know, hockey has always been something that I've wanted to get more into. Like anytime I go to an actual hockey game, I find it to be quite interesting and a lot of fun and engaging then i watch it on a broadcast and i'm just bored to tears and i think the reason because i do like the violence aspect of it right there's a football-ish kind of the collisions and the physicality and all that component that is similar but i think it's because i don't understand the rules if i understood the rules of hockey more maybe i would enjoy the games on tv so that's one of my one of these days bucket listing i'm going to figure out hockey jacob the silent one foster as he is known Appreciate you, big dog, on Facebook, throwing down some stars. You the man. Thank you, bud. Uh, Chris Chances, again, thank you, brother. Do you think the newly acquired rush linebacker from the Jets, Jacob Martin, will play this week, Zach? Yeah, he pretty much has to because you might be down Baron Browning and Randy Gregory and obviously Bradley Chubb. So maybe on a situational basis because he's still learning the playbook, even though there's similarities, he said, um, you'll see Jacob Martin out there active behind Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito as of we know right now. But, yeah, he'll play. I think he could be an interesting addition to this this room for the Broncos. And it's cool, you know, his history um, playing in Aurora, playing high school ball there, and the homecoming component for him coming back to, to Denver. And he's stoked because he grew up as a Broncos fan. So how rad would that be, right, to – grow up a Broncos fan, you get into the league, you're off, you're doing your thing, and then all of a sudden you're a Bronco. So we'll see. But I have some, uh, I wouldn't say high hopes, but I think he'll be a solid contributor there on the edge. And, yes, you are, you're going to see him this week. Garth, bro, you're the man. Thank you, bud. Gentlemen, he says, all I can say for a possible Reich hiring uh, as OC is that he and Russ are both religious fellas. So that would work if nothing else. Didn't know that about Frank Reich. I don't know all that much about Frank Reich other than his resume as a, as a former NFL quarterback, to be honest with you. You know, I, I mean, I could tell you what he's done in the league with the Eagles as the OC and all that stuff. But as far as the individual guy, I think back to his – was it a Houston? Scott, wasn't it? Wasn't he a Houston – University of Houston quarterback? Either way, he is the guy that led the most impressive playoff come from behind victory of all time that I've ever seen when they, the, the bills, Jim Kelly couldn't make it. And the bills came back against the Oilers. That was legendary. But I, I think if the Broncos, Zach, if they don't hold on to hack it and they, they probably will, but if they don't, you got to put him in the conversation as someone you consider talk to him, see how he might vibe with Russ. Yeah. He should be on the list. Maybe not the top of the list, but on the list. Yeah. But as Sam Bam points out, the Reich and uh, religious factor didn't work out too well for Carson Wentz, who is mm. the, one of the more devout Christians uh, in the NFL. So I don't know that there's much connection to be made there. I feel like if you're a good offensive mind and you're looking at the tape and utilizing the quarterback properly, in this case, Russell Wilson, uh, you'll be better off. But the first question Peyton should ask him if he were, were to ever interview Reich is, do you like Subway? How do you feel <laughs> about that? Yeah. Day from Georgia. The lore surrounding this man's name. It's great to see you, dude. Mount Rushmore superstar in the house saying, I've been out of commission for a bit. Man, hope everything's okay. He says, hope everyone's doing well tonight. Greg Dulcich, if he stays healthy, could make a run at rookie of the year. Yeah, dude, he has been impressive. 
Zach and I were very questioning on that pick. We we're like, really? Greg Dulcich? But he, and then of course, didn't help that he opened the whole season injured. We didn't see him till well into the second quarter of the season. This dude is on a tear. So if the Broncos, if if Russell Wilson had the aha moment in that Jags game that we think he did, it's just getting started for Greg Dulcich. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely surpassing my expectations, but uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year is going to be either Ken Walker or uh, Damian Pierce because they're running away with it literally um, so far this season. But Dolzich is looking like the Broncos' tight end one already. He's made Albert O expendable. He's made, uh, even though the Broncos still have him, he's made Andrew Beck a non-factor, Sauber Tomlinson. He is definitely on the right path, and that's all we could have hoped for considering he came into the league injured and he got a late start to his, uh, his rookie year. I think it's true, too, that uh, what Scott mentions here about most football players in general are very spiritual. I think a lot of them are. I think it's similar in that athletes that are pro, you know, they're they're superstitious in the in the true sense of the word superstitious, like, you know, wear the same pair of socks. If I won if I won in this pair of socks, then I'm going to wear them again or whatever. But that's not the same thing as as being religious. And it's uh, whatever, whatever source you got to go to or that you choose to go to to find that inner strength the inner poise the inspiration whatever it is i don't begrudge that anybody all right so um frank reich you know what he got handed his walking papers he'll have to sit out for a while but he will be in the conversation i mean zach and i'm not just talking if the broncos do anything he'll be on the in the conversation that's a weird owner in indianapolis this dude was handed frank reich Initially, it looks like the dream job because you get freaking Andrew Luck. What was it? Five years, six years into his career. You're going, I'm right in the prime window, baby. Let's go win some Super Bowls. And then the unthinkable, he retires. And you're like, well, I think he did about as best you could hope, Zach, for a coach with the just turnstile at quarterback for what it's worth. He had a winning record in, in Indy despite that carousel. Now compare that to someone like Vic Fangio, who never had a quarterback, was on the carousel. What was his record? You know, in uh, three years with the Broncos, it wasn't a winning True. one. Frank Reich, he has to lose the Dahmer glasses that he wears, but he's a good offensive mind. He's a good coach, man. He'll be on a staff uh, very shortly. Whether it's the Broncos, we don't know yet. By the way, I heard that that Netflix, I think it's Netflix, yeah. um, show Dahmer on Dahmer. Dahmer is supposedly really good where there's an actor playing him and all that, uh, I'm told. Sam Bam, you demand, brother. He says, at this point, what do you think the future holds for Dalton Reisner as a Bronco? Long-term left guard with a contract extension, or do you think he gets replaced with a new? I do think he gets replaced. I do. You know, first of all, he was a pick from the previous regime. Second of all, similar to Lloyd Cushenberry, he has one additional excuse that Lloyd Cushenberry doesn't have in what I'm about to say. But he got two of his, uh, well, actually three of his four years in the league, Dalton Reisner, were with Mike Munchak. And he looked pretty good as a rookie and then regressed in year two and kind of stayed in that mode of regression. His excuse, though, is that, but I was cleaning up next to Lloyd Cushenberry. Like, I was constantly having to do the work of two guys. That's his excuse, but it doesn't fly in the final analysis. The Denver Broncos, I think, Zach, barring some, like, miraculous turnaround from Reisner I think they go a different direction they let him hit the bricks he'll go sign somewhere else and that's that I kind of view Reisner like I view Cushenberry where he's an average to below average starter but a really good backup to have so the answer to the question from my point of view is somewhere in the middle He's going to be a free agent, but if uh, the Broncos, depending on what happens with Butch Berry, I think he might get the axe as a scapegoat in the offseason. I think you bring back Reisner as depth for a couple million a year, three million, whatever, and go uh, sign his replacement, draft his replacement, whatever. But as a starter, I think his time is nearing an end in Denver. The one factor to uh, consider in this, though, Zach, is just that energy and the leadership component. And I don't mean like, hey, Ben, come follow me, let's run – like he just kind of brings an attitude to that line that is valuable. He's a very smart guy uh, in terms of, you know, he's a smart football player. There's the intangible component to what he brings. I just wish it was more reflected in the tangible side of what he produces. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Those things don't translate to the stat sheet for me. It's either are you a good blocker or a bad blocker, and for the better part of three years now, he's been a bad blocker. Um. Okay, we're at forty-seven minutes. We're gonna have to start winding her down here, uh, boys and girls. Before we do, Zach, I wanted to get your take on a couple of things that the coach had to say today. Actually, before we go to Hackett, you had an update today on the subject of Tim Patrick and his recovery from ACL surgery. What's the latest? Yeah, he's about three months out, uh, a little over three months out from tearing his uh, right ACL in practice. Freak injury went up for the ball, came down awkwardly, lost for the year. Uh, He tweeted, though, the other day that he's ahead of schedule in his recovery. And considering the injury happened in August, he's ahead of schedule, and ACLs don't take nearly as long anymore to come back from. He should be all systems go for 2023. And if there's one player the Broncos are missing most on offense, it's not Garrett Bowles, it's not Javante Williams, it's Tim Patrick. They sorely need his big body, sure hands, his catch radius. They don't have any of that right now especially where Cortland Sutton is failing to meet right. expectations, you know, and if he had that outside guy kind of competition thing, I think that's one of the reasons why they've been so good together is they're similar players and they kind of vibe off each other. Not so much in like a synergistic kind of we're partners in crime, but more like uh Cortland doesn't want to be shown up by Tim and Tim doesn't want to be shown up by Cortland. And if anything, you got to respect more. I think Zach, the game of Tim Patrick for a guy who had to fight, claw, bite, scratch his way in the league as an undrafted kid out of Utah compared to Cortland Sutton, who was handed a lot of stuff as a second round pick back in 2018. So the sooner he gets back, the better, I guess. But it just don't nobody get your hopes up. It's not happening this year. I love Tim Patrick. It, you know, for my money, he should have got the contract that Cortland Sutton got, which was more than what Tim Patrick got on his extension. And he restructured it this past offseason to help the Broncos out. Only a third of it was guaranteed at signing. So he's the ultimate team player. And this is not a hot take. Tell me if you disagree, though, Chad. Tim Patrick would have won that jump ball against Sauce Gardner where Cortland Sutton failed. DPI or not? You know, the old, the old Cortland, if you would have blindfolded me and said, and asked me that before this season started out, I said, Cortland Sutton. Answer to that is Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton went from being like 60-40 guy to not even 50-50 guy. Like, can you think of, I'm, now I'm being earnest here, can you think of like a lob where he went up and got it this year? Like where he came down with a pass, you're like, whoa, that was a Cortland Sutton posterized somebody. I can't think of one. No. And, he, and it's not like, Russ Wilson hasn't been, I mean, to to the to the injury of the offense, Zach. He is locked on to Sutton, doesn't do pre-snap, right? Doesn't do this stuff once the ball's moving to look off coverage. Like, he's been force-feeding Sutton. That play where K.J. Hamler was slamming his head or his uh, helmet on the, on, the, on the grass and all pissed off because Russ didn't look at him in the end zone. Who was he staring down? Who was he locked in on? Cortland Sutton. Cortland's had so many more opportunities in that sense, like prime type of targets to make hay on than any of his teammates, and he's just not living up to it. The only hope I think this year is that Judy continues to develop. Russ figures out K.J. Hamler's damn good, and Greg Dulcich continues to, to grow. I remember some uh, well-placed back shoulder throws to Cortland Sutton this year, but I can't recall, like you said, one of those. Remember what he did against the Chargers? I think it was 2019 where he just he was being held and molested in the end zone, still came down with the ball between two defenders. He's not making those type of plays anymore, and Tim Patrick has that fight. If he went up for a ball, chances are he'll come down with it. His hands were too good. So they are sorely, sorely missing someone like TP on the field. You know what it is, dude? It's what you said last night. He got paid. Yeah, he happens. got paid. But that that argument would then count, cut against Tim Patrick. The difference here, though, I think Zach is a second rounder. Goes, I'm. I was always going to get paid. I got paid the second I walked into the league as a second round pick. You know, it's not the same as being a first round pick or a top fifteen guy. But he got many millions of dollars guaranteed to him by being a second round pick. Tim went from being a practice squad guy hoping and praying he got his 10 grand this week because they didn't cut him or waive him from the practice squad, right? Which is a lot of money to the average Joe, but in the grand scheme of NFL and what it's chump change to them. 
to working his tail off, getting into the offense in 2018 with Case Keenum, developing a little bit of a thing, and then that coaching staff, even the the new Fangio coaching staff the next year, realized they had something there, and he just continued to grow. And it's kind of like with Chris Harris, kind of like C.J. Anderson, Philip Lindsay. You know, you can go down the line of some of the great um, undrafted guys in Bronco Cannon, and th- they don't have that same kind of complacency, Zach, when they get paid because they're always expecting the music to stop. They're always expecting someone to go, what are you doing here? You're undrafted. You shouldn't be, you know, star of the team or whatever. There's just a more insatiable hunger hole that never gets filled world size chip on the shoulder, you know, pick the metaphor. Yeah. I was going to say for someone like Patrick, who was a 2017 undrafted free agent, sometimes the music never starts. So when it does start, they are very appreciative for that. And what I love about Patrick, Chad, you know, in 2017, when he had Paxton and uh, Simeon and Brock Osweiler, a quarterback, he produced. 2018, when he had Case Keenum, he produced. 2019, with Joe Flacco and Drew Locke, he produced. 2020, with Drew Locke and Jeff Driscoll, he produced. Last year, he produced. I mean, except for his injury ruined season, of course. But no matter what, this com- this year, I mean, no matter what, no matter what quarterbacks out there, no matter what uh, coordinators call on the plays, Tim Patrick comes and shows up that's why he was so worthy of his contract and that's why it cuts so deep when he went down this year word on the street guys and then we're we're going to start winding it down is uh baron browning he's day-to-day so if you're hoping that uh, the broncos have their next best rush linebacker on the grass in nashville right now it's flip a coin but here's what hackett said actually about his his outlook quote Barron is going to be day-to-day. He's trending in the direction that we want him to be in to hopefully be able to get in this game. That's weird. Some, some of the things he says is like a mouthful. It's like, where did you learn how to talk, dude? He's trending in the direction that we want him to be in, hopefully to be able to get in this game. It's like, what? Uh, we will just have to play it by ear, Zach. So uh, what's the worst-case scenario here? So if Baron Browning doesn't play, your starting rush linebackers are probably Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper. And your third guy coming in is uh, the new guy, Jacob Martin. And you're probably elevating Jonathan Kongbo again to serve yep. as depth at outside linebacker. I mean, if you're facing Malik Willis, that should be enough to get after the quarterback. But if you're facing Tannehill, who's obviously a much better signal caller, you would like to have Baron Browning in there, but do you risk it though? If he's not a hundred percent, you bring him back too early. He could be lost for the season at this point. Doesn't matter. It's a lots of way for a one coach, but I feel like Baron is trending in the right direction. However, Hackett put it, Chad. And I feel like he has, you know, 64 yards of playing on Sunday, Randy Gregory, not so much. So um, Michael Williams, will give you the shout out, big dog. He wants to know, do the, do the, are the Broncos making the playoffs this year? How are you feeling? It's hard to answer this question with any modicum of, like confidence in what your answer is going to be just because, you know, they're not living up to expectations. They go on the road. They've never won in London. They get a win and then they go into a bye. And so you're like, well, just when you think this team, you can start hanging your hat on something like any kind of a trend or anything to get hopeful about. They usually come out that very next week and disappoint you and throw all that on its ear. So what do you think? How are you feeling about this team's no, no necessary like bold prediction that we need to iron, uh, iron in here, but just kind of overall outlook down the stretch. It's not too bold. I mean, my answer is ask me again Sunday at about four o'clock Eastern what the Broncos playoff odds look like because I'll I'll glean a lot more from the Tennessee game. How are the Broncos going to come out after a bye week? Can they put a winning streak together? Did they learn anything over the bye week, or was that victory over the Jaguars uh, just smoke and mirrors? The Broncos have been so Jekyll and Hyde all year. We don't really know which team we're getting on a weekly basis. But if they come out and beat Tennessee, I'll be a lot more encouraged. But the second half of their schedule, Chad, with all the injuries and all the incompetency we've seen from the Broncos, coaches and players, is it even realistic to talk about the playoffs right now? But again, ask me again Sunday. When you dig a five-loss hole in your first eight games, that usually is an answer in and of itself. But stranger things have happened in the league, so we'll I'll leave it at that for now. I'm hopeful, but I'm not I'm not betting my mortgage on it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, with that, Zach, let's let's say good night.
Yes, sir. That was the MHH podcast. Appreciate you all tuning in for this Monday post bye week episode. We're back on Thursday, but until then, you can always follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod, the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kilberman NFL, and Scott at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, you know what it is, where it is, huddleuppod.com and get your merch on. And if you haven't, go to facebook.com slash Mile Huddle Pod, like that page and follow that page. Also, if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every month. But if anything, please do these three things. Sub, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Shout out to these great Super Chat superstars tonight. Chris Chances, love you, big dog. Sam Bam, Naj, the Duchess, Austin, Darius, Garth. Dave from Georgia, uh, much love and respect to each one of you. And then on Facebook, some big ballers tonight. Howie throwing down, Colby throwing down, Phil throwing down. Shout out to Jacob, to Zach Bernstein, to Jeremy. Is it healed? Jeremy healed? Held? I'm not sure. But Miguel, Dave, and then also Nacho Fernandez. Much love and respect. Have a great start to your week, guys. We'll see you Thursday night. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.